This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the special date day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life, um, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Whatever's on your heart and mind, all you need to do is call us. 210-340-9585 is our main number. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Today, of course, because Paula is live in the studio, um, ladies, it's a day we set aside especially for you, uh, but we get calls. We'll take your calls and see what is on Paula's heart to talk about. Paula, welcome to the program again this week. Thank you very much. It's always funny saying welcome because we've been hanging out all day. I know, but welcome to the program. I guess that's appropriate because <laughs> I've been in your life for a long time. In fact, we were just laughing with Tina, the lady who does our nails. Uh, 50 years? 50 years? Yeah, so it's, it's cool. So, yes, last week. Every time, I, every time I hear it, though, 50 sounds like a long, long time. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like... Um, it's been 50. I mean, when you think 50, you know, we've been here in San Antonio doing... For you know, half of it. For 25. half of it. Yeah, that's yeah. right, for half of it. Wow. But even even being here, do, you know, the uh, Lord leading in the way of Calvary Chapel San Antonio, like you said, the, I don't know if it was in a study or... Was it last just, night? Oh, was it just last night? Oh, my goodness. Whew. I'm getting old, baby. It's not getting any better. That was just last night, right? But it just seems... So fast. Is, I said in the study last night, I said, you know, we're going through the experiences. They seemed like they were going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And the trials and the things that we were going through, mm-hmm. oh, Lord, don't mm-hmm. God deliver us, you know. <laughs> uh, nobody knows. Yeah, how long, oh, <laughs> yeah. Lord. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but now we look back, and it really does seem like 25 minutes. Yeah, no. I mean, that's how quickly things have gone. Yeah. You, you brought a young man to San Antonio. Well, actually, and, that young man brought me. Well, okay, but the point is now he's very old. The point is he's he's mature. Um, <laughs> yes, but to me, in my eyes, still every bit is cute. <laughs> yes. What's on your heart today? Well, you know, last week I had a lot to say, and I didn't get to say it. So I'm, this was like a rewind. So now I'm all wound up. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> We will still take your phone calls. <laughs> we'll stop wherever we are and pick up later. But uh, it's your show. That's right. That's right. So I was listening to David Jeremiah. You know, sometimes when I'm, I bring up other pastors, it's not that I'm like I'm cheating on you or anything, Pastor Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I come to church every time you teach you. But I do listen to other people occasionally, even even the chapel, uh, the teachers here who do chapel. Man, they are so good. Um, but, you know, they said under your teaching, Pastor Ron, so, you know, of course, that's right. But anyway, I listened to other teachers, and I was listening to David Jeremiah, that's a couple of weeks ago now, and he was talking about risk takers, and my ears just kind of perked up because, you know, I'm married to 
one of those guys, a risk taker. And he was saying that risk takers stay exuberant about their lives. You know, uh, I have a thing on, on the refrigerator uh, given to me by one of my really good friends where it says, um, why not go out on a limb? Isn't that where the fruit is? And so, you know, just living the, you know, get up every morning, um, brush your teeth, wash your face, eat your breakfast, you know, go to work or go to school or whatever um, without Jesus you know, being involved in your life, it just could become kind of mundane and, and boring if, you know, like you said last night, I think it was last night, <laughs> every day we get up, you know, first thing we should say is, you know, good morning, Jesus, knowing full well that he has something planned for this day, whether it's big or small, if it's his plan, that's pretty awesome. And so uh, for me, a risk taker, uh, it stays exuberant about their lives. It's not boring. You know, Paul, I think when, when you talk about being exuberant, you said a moment ago, um, um, you, you, you realize what you said every day without Jesus is mundane. Mm. And, and tragically, um, too many Christians spend their days without Jesus. Mm. And we're looking around, well, God, there's got to be more. Why, why am I empty? Why is this not working? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why aren't they being fulfilled in my, my career? Um, um, all of that is unnecessary for the believer because if we're with Jesus, mm-hmm. then uh, there's no possibility of becoming mundane. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at that place now. Again, we've already established that I'm old. <laughs> um, but, but I'm at that place where when I get a day that is sort of mundane, it's like, That's praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> praise <laughs> the Lord. You know, I, I, I don't have anything that I know I got to do. Yeah. And, and even when we just went to California for mm-hmm. 10 days, mm-hmm. the, the thing that was, I think, the most refreshing was not having a schedule for 10 days. Yeah. Not having to do anything, mm-hmm. but just enjoying one another, uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord, enjoying our kids. There, yeah. there was no agenda. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've grown really fond in my older age uh-huh. of those days when there doesn't seem to be anything really <laughs> pressing or anything too exciting kind of thing. So uh, I think that the tragedy is that too many of us as believers, uh, we spend our days without Jesus and our Christian walks then become stagnant. Mm. Okay. Because we're just walking, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Jesus, that, that's when He's going to take a risk. It's like uh, a risk. It's like He's slapping. Come on, come on, come wake yeah. up, wake up, yeah, wake yeah. up. You know that old uh, commercial. Now I'm really dating myself, but there was an old. I think it was Aqua Velva. Um, oh yes, where uh, you get slapped uh, in the face. Where where mm-hmm. it's just a guy's face and a hand comes and slaps mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Thanks, I needed that." Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I think Jesus lovingly slaps us in the face. Yeah. yeah. Because we really need it sometimes. Yeah, there's quite a few scriptures that say, wake up. Oh, sleeper. Uh-huh, wake up. You're going to miss out if you don't wake up. Um, and so that's number one. So, And the second thing he was saying, they're excited about the future. You know, especially as I'm getting older, Pastor Ron, right along with you, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm younger, but I'm still getting older. <laughs> Not at the same speed as you, but... Lady, you know. we were talking to you, Lady, this and Nails... <laughs> She, she she kept saying to me that now she speaks very broken English. Yes. But she was making herself very clear. <laughs> Your wife, very young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's very young. Yeah. And I kept saying, well, what about me? <laughs> Your wife, very young. <laughs> so it, it, she never threw that young title she, on me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. But, you know, being excited about the future instead of looking for the end and, you know, as I'm getting older, I can't maybe do as much as I used to. And I'm praising the Lord because, you know, I'm kind of still, I'm older, but I'm kind of still young. Um, and I'm able to do some things that, you know, maybe a few other people aren't able to do um, for for now. But um, I'm excited about my future, whether I can do or can't do, because this will be over one of these days. You know, I'm not the most faithful ones. And, and it's easy for me to say that right this moment, but I'm excited about my future. You know, I look every day, Jesus, this could be the day. And I want our younger son and his family to be saved, but the Lord knows if they will be 
And if he already knows they won't be, come on, Lord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm excited about my future, um, not only heaven, but the rest of this day. Yeah, let's get back to the risk taker, though, because you can't be excited about your future if you're not taking risks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we see we see taking risks as, oh, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm unsure. How do I know it's the Lord mm-hmm. kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, um, as we should, well, Jesus, the only safe place to be is out on that ledge with you, to, mm-hmm. to take those risks. Mm-hmm. There's no place else safe. Mm-hmm. If you're out on that ledge, I got to be out there with you. And I might be like, yeah. but I know I'm safe because I'm with I'm you. I'm with you, yeah. And if I'm not on that risky place with you, mm-hmm. then I'm not safe at all because that's when we start to sort of start kicking back and taking things for granted and, oh, I got this kind of kind of approach. And that's deadly to a Christian walk. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like in one of my visions, you know, walking in the desert with Jesus. <clears throat> and, sorry, and, and, and I think for a minute he forgot that I had sandals on and we're walking in the desert, and there's like rattlesnakes and stuff out there. Excuse me, pardon me, Jesus, but do you understand that this is dangerous? And he's like, excuse me, pardon me, but I'm with you. And have you been bit yet? <laughs> I don't think so. And so, yeah, I'm excited about my future. He's <laughs> Not he's to mention, got, in that particular vision, I was the one that got bit by yes, the snake. Yeah, because you're older. Yeah. No, because I was, I was, I wasn't in Christ yet. You weren't in Christ yet. That's right. So, so what he was saying is, this is the safe place to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and then number three all about risk takers, they stay enthusiastic about their calling. They stay enthusiastic about their calling, and so it doesn't matter that your pastor, I'm pastor's wife. We weren't that when we got called. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, and I get to go anywhere and everywhere the Lord leads me to tell other people that they can become a Christian too. Now, not everybody's going to be the pastor. Not everybody's going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, what's the one that goes out and starts churches? And church planners? Church planners. What's the other word for that? Then, well, not, yeah, but we're all evangelists to some so to some point, but to say it enthusiastic about their calling, that I'm called Mama Paula, for me, is huge. That I am, because I'm, I'm married to you as long as you're alive, um, I'm the pastor's wife mm-hmm. here. That is a really cool thing. But I'm your wife irregardless of mm. anything. You said as long as I'm alive, did God tell you something? Nope. <laughs> He's, yeah, yeah. He took, you are the one for life. Yeah, just kidding. Mm-hmm. Let's take let's take a break and go to the phones. We've got James on uh, line one from Belmont. James, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for asking. And uh, uh-huh. I listened to y'all talk about getting a little bit older. That's getting a little bit older has uh, taught me to um, hone my skills as far as risk benefit ratios go mm-hmm. and prioritizing because. I find that I don't have as many resources, uh, energy, and time, uh, and so I kind of look for what gives me the, the best outcomes. Um, it, I have a, a, a situation, especially now that we're going through the elections and so forth. Uh, I have mm-hmm. friends, uh, even family members, people uh, in my own Sunday school, uh, my circle of friends, be having sort of a libertarian sort of view of, well, uh, I may not act or believe or or behave in this certain way, but I'm not going to tell other people how to act or believe or behave. And in some ways, you know, it's like it kind of sets me back and I really kind of understand uh, what they're at the same time when it comes to things uh like, for instance, uh, abortion issues. And when you have elections where the people that you vote uh, for will actually make a difference in legislation uh, in the the government arena, a lot of people are not convicted 
justify their own thoughts of, well, I would never have an abortion, but I wouldn't tell another person that it's right or it's wrong. Um, I think of applications in the in the Bible with verses, and in the Old Testament, of course, with the prophets and David, there's so many different things to fall back on, whether it's David's child, with uh, Bathsheba, with uh, some of the prophets being woven in the womb. Um, I, I think about uh, the businessman who was uh, jumped on his way down to Jericho, and the holy people that went by, and and kind of how James would say, you know, keep warm and be, and feel like you're well fed, <laughs> but not really get yeah. involved. Um, and then it took a Samaritan to actually talk, stop, and be vested uh, uh, by by his behavior and his activity. Um, yeah. How I'm, I'm just trying to to figure out. Um, where the Bible would stand on such thinking, uh, our our responsibilities as far as government goes is uh, to participate and to respect the laws and to respect those in leadership, um, however good or however bad. We're lucky enough to be in in a society though to where we can have a good a good voice about who's being elected and who's in charge. Um, as far as the abortion issue with Christians, um, with people who go to services uh, that are in Sunday school, um, uh, that uh, attend service, but they don't really feel convicted that their own personal beliefs would make a difference in how they would cast a vote. How, how would you approach a conversation with them, and, or even am I wrong? I mean, my thought is is that it's hard for me to back somebody who says, uh, for instance, says, oh, this is my faith, says that this is wrong, but uh, if you elect me, I'm not going to impose that belief or thought onto other people. I would never get rid of a woman's privilege, right, whatever, to have an abortion. Uh, that influences my vote uh, versus somebody who says, you know, well, I don't believe it's correct. Uh, I don't believe it should just be out there and be the first thing that we all go to. Uh, I, I, I believe it's it's actually uh, taking a life. Yeah. James, how, I, how, do you, I, I, how do you approach that conversation? Yeah. A couple of things, and, and let me, I'll take a little, couple of minutes with this because I think this is important. You know, having listened to the program, I'm a big balance fan. Um, We've got to find balance in things. Um, do you realize how many Catholics are pro-abortion Democrats? And we say, well, that's, that's incongruous with their faith, and, and we, well, their faith means nothing to them, and that's what we got to understand. Faith to them is just a, a series of rituals, things that they do or say to justify themselves before God. Um, but, but, but the Christian, and really, what struck my heart when you were talking was that the Christian who says, "Well, you know, I personally wouldn't have an abortion, but you know, I, it's who am I to tell other people?" Um, you know, we wouldn't say that about murder. We wouldn't say that about rape or, or child molestation. And, and, and this is the most heinous of murders. Now, uh, in my role as a pastor, I've made it my point never to tell somebody or even suggest to somebody how they ought to vote. That's not my role. My role is to teach them the Bible, give them a, Christ, uh, a Christian worldview, and, and, and get them to sort of wrestle with the, 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 the Bible and then, uh, then it's between them and the Lord. I can trust Jesus to, to lead them and guide them. However, if they make a wrong choice, they're going to have to deal with Jesus on it. How can we stand by and watch innocent people hurt? Now, when I said earlier about balance, we've seen over the decades Operation Rescue takes it completely the other direction, and they then commit crimes in the name of that zeal. And, and, and many Christians were on the other side that saying, well, you know, I wouldn't bomb a, an abortion clinic, but, you know, I understand why they did it. We, we can't justify, um, based on our 
moral, biblical, or political beliefs, um, accepting sin because it's closer to what we believe. And what we've got to do is we've simply got to tell them, look, you're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. How would you justify that? In light of what the Bible said, how would you justify? How would you tell Jesus that, that um, you know, you're not going to tell anybody else not to murder a child? And the real reason that we can do that, we can say those things, James, is that we don't think of abortion as murder. We don't think of the child in the womb as a human being yet. We've been convinced by the world that we live in that it's just a blob of tissue and I don't want my life to be um, um, inconvenienced. Uh, and so we've, we've allowed abortion to become birth control. We can go out and sin without consequence and if somehow we end up pregnant, we'll just get an abortion then everything is okay. Not only that, we run out and demand the right to do that at the expense of human life. Now, I say this often, James, but with 65 million babies who have been murdered since 1973, how many of those 65 million would have been evangelists or preachers? How many of those would have been some of the politicians who, instead of being like the politicians we have now, might have been real statesmen or stateswomen? How many of them might have been uh, moms and dads who raised children who loved God? How many of them would have been brilliant scientists who also believed in God? Maybe one of those 65 million would have been able to um, find a cure for cancer. We have people in our church that are suffering. Well, we'll never know because those human beings never got the opportunity. And even though I said I would never tell anybody how to vote, and that's been the pattern of my ministry for 25 years, um, I, I have said many times I can't understand how a Christian, a born-again believer, could vote for a party with a platform that is anti-God in every single phase of that platform. Yes, we murder children. Uh, yes, we, 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 we turn a blind eye to lawlessness. Um, yes, we've kicked God out of schools. Um, these are the, the questions and an election that we've got to deal with. I agree with you, James, that it's time for us to um, participate. Um, the stakes are really high. Um, we don't know the plan of our sovereign God in all of this. Um, we have no guarantee that the man that is going to be elected um, in the permissive will of God is going to make things better or worse. But we are accountable for what we know to be right and standing up for it. And it is the worst kind of compromise for a Christian. And I, I don't expect anything more from Catholics. But for a real believer, a born-again believer to say, well, you know, I wouldn't have a, an abortion, but, you know, it's okay if they do. Or I wouldn't stand in the way of them doing it. Um, that's just completely passing the responsibility. And, and I don't think God lets us off the hook. Paul, do you want to add anything? No. No. I just, well, okay. Um, you know, I know several women who have had abortions, and those who are repeaters usually just have hard minds and hard hearts. But those that eventually become Christians, they are physically, emotionally, and spiritually messed up. And some are, you know, so hurt that they're even like, oh, if when I get to heaven, I don't know if I even want to go to heaven now because I'm going to see that child that I aborted and they're going to not like me or whatever. And you have to straighten that out. But yeah, um, to, to let somebody think that that's okay without saying anything. Now, they're still going to make their own choices. But um, for us as Christians to not say anything. Yeah, and I, I think, Paula, that, that's not a, a libertarian or a Republican or a Democrat point of view. That's a godly point of view. And, and we've got to stand for those and stand with those who are abused and murdered. You know, we, we you know, the social justice crowd um, is always clamoring about, well, let's do something about the sex trafficking trade. You know, well, well we've, we've got to take a stand for righteousness. That's not social justice. That's just the heart of God. And, and, and yet somebody who would be, well, it's okay if you have an abortion, but I wouldn't do it, but we got to go fight sex trafficking. 
Um, that's somebody who really doesn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's causes, and we like our causes, but we've got to understand that uh, it's our responsibility to stand for righteousness, even when it's going to cost us in the process. And when you take a stand for righteousness, people are going to hate you as a result of it. Okay, James, I hope that is where you were headed. I, I, I think it is. And God bless you. I appreciate you calling. Well, Paula, we're already done with half of the program. Uh, this is the date day edition of the Word to Stand Up for Life. Paula is here. All you need to do is call us 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is the Word to Stand Up for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our date day show, 340-9585. Paula, while we wait for phone calls, you're talking about risk takers. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question, and then you can take this anywhere you want to. Because I'm not done. I know you're not done. Okay. What's the hardest thing and what's the best thing about being married to a risk taker? The hardest thing is the risk taker being so bold and and the one coming alongside usually isn't. <laughs> uh, but no, the, the hardest thing is is going into the restroom and saying, Lord... This, this, this man, man you gave me. <laughs> and then at the same time, the easiest thing is, after so many years of seeing God's faithfulness, um, it's like, well, okay, here we go. You know, like when the, the, the disciples said, after Jesus said, we're going to go back. And they're like, excuse me, they just tried to kill you over there. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, 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 we have to, we're going back. And And Thomas said, well, we just go with you and die with you kind <laughs> of thing, you know but so that's kind of where i where i am it's but after seriously after all of these years i mean at first it was like are you crazy you know go to san antonio okay san antonio then it was hard here but we knew and so it was never one of those things where we're going to go back but um you know when pay for all reese's radio program do you not know we have no money do you not know? Um, then, then you know, the Lord said, move into this building. We can't even buy food. You know, I mean, just there were so many crazy things. Start a free school. You can't pay rent. I mean, just so many things. And yet the Lord's been faithful. So now, you know, um, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, you've said, you've called unusual kindness to be the next thing. And I'm not looking to you, Ron, anymore. Before I would be like looking at you, thinking, "Lord, this man you gave me, he has lost his mind." And, and you're too respectful to tell Jesus he's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, we're not going there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, seriously, it's it's like, Lord, this is your vision. I've known it. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's happening been written down in like some of my journals from. Before we even came to San Antonio, so to see, to see it unfolding, um, so that's it's hard, and yet it's easy at the same time because every it's single exuberant. time, there you go, risk takers <laughs> stay exuberant about their lives. That's right. But can it's you imagine? Exciting. Can you imagine looking back in twenty five years mm-hmm. and and doing the, the, the right things, doing it with with all of your heart, mm-hmm. but at the same time. Looking back and not having seen the hand of God move time and time mm-hmm. and time again. Talk about risk taker. Here we go. Here's one. I just it just came to my mind when we went to the house that we live in now, and you said, "Oh, you said take a check." 
I was like, take a check, like, for the bank to cash some money from this check? You know, you're like, no, bring a check. So, you know, I, I, I took a risk submitting to my husband as <laughs> to the Lord and then uh, to hear them say, okay, we'll, we'll take your offer kind of a thing because you said, what do they need? What do they need? They got another house they're building over there, Pastor Ron. This house that we're looking at, they still own, and they weren't having any trouble making both of the mortgages. And so you say, take a check. Uh, 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 okay. So they accept our offer, and then she calls and says, they want to close in 60 days. And you say, okay. I'm over in the corner praying, Lord, don't let this check bounce. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's a big number that's coming after these 60 days while I'm still saying, don't let this little, it was a $500 down payment. I think we had $568 in the bank, but I should have been making checks out to the other people who we owed money to. And so I was taking a risk in being obedient to you (laughs) and watching the Lord really come through because then we got a call. They want to close in 45 days. And I'm answering the phone. You know, I was still answering the phone. I was like, well, you need to talk to my husband. <laughs> and then she had the nerve to call back another time and say, 30 days. So I was in the restroom going, Lord, seriously now, this man, <laughs> this man you gave me, it's getting spooky in here. But over, everything worked out. And it's been that way. And see, 23 years later, we're still in the house. And it's completely paid for. Yeah. It, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, you, you, you get a, a, a feeling, and, and I'm not a feeling guy, but um, we, I walked in the door. I didn't have time to really look. I didn't get in the house, just in the foyer of the mm-hmm, house. Mm-hmm. And I said, we'll take it. Yeah. I, just, I felt like Jesus was welcome, welcoming us home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, the money that we need for the down payment in that 60, 45, and then 30 days... <laughs> It all came right at the last minute. It sure did. It sure did. When you came, when we went to that door, and you, she opened the door, you didn't even step over the threshold, and you said, we'll take it. <laughs> I was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> this man. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. And so, you know, the, the school back in the day, starting the free school, we only had like 30 um, students at the time. 31 the first year. Okay. But it was like free school, you know. Okay, Lord, here we go again. <laughs> okay. But so, yeah. But it's that's the hard part is the sometimes the exuberance <laughs> is is greater than my faith. And yet over the years, okay. the Lord has proven himself to be way faithful. Counsel the woman who's at home now who's <laughs> saying, well, my husband isn't following the Lord or my husband is, uh, how am I supposed to submit to him? And, and the answer is to take a risk. But, but how would you yeah. counsel that woman? Yeah, I would say uh, pray like crazy all the time. And like I'm tell- telling you right now, you know, even with unusual kindness coming in, I'm not looking to you to provide the answers or the resources. I'm looking to the Lord. And so First um, Peter 3 is, is my go-to, you know. May he be won over without words. You trust God and let not only your husband, but your kids, everybody, see. That. And see, that's the perception of the risk, not taking matters into your own hands and mm-hmm. simply saying, God, my part is to be obedient to you. Yep. My part is to get close to you. Mm-hmm. Your part is is to, if he's really crazy, mm-hmm. change his mind. That's, right. his That's why I used to have the Rubik's Cube all the time, because that would remind me, Paula, you don't need to freak out. Do you, did you forget that Jesus really loves you and that he's going to take care of you? Did you forget that he's hearing your prayers and he cares? Did you forget that he told you a long time ago, I love Ron, even when you weren't saved? He was telling me, ooh, I love him so much. And I was like, really? Why? But anyway... <laughs> But I love him so much. And remember, Paula, back in the day when he first came to the door, I said, this is the one for life. I got a plan you don't know about. And so those people, those ladies in particular that you're talking about, if they take matters into their own hands and they make their plan work, because I was trying to make my plan work. Your mom told me, divorce you and bring both of those kids and myself to her house. Nobody would blame me. (laughs) 
what three weeks prior to that conversation is as I was trying to learn how to learn the Lord's um, character and his ways more, that's when I ran across how he hates divorce. And at the same time, he was saying, I I not only hate divorce, but I love Ron. And um, so the waiting and the waiting, and people ask me all the time, well, how'd you do it? One day at a time. The Lord just said, give me one more day. And he kept saying that for like 13 years. I was like, okay. But look what I would have missed out. That's the thing. And I think it's important, Paula, we're talking about risk, to, to talk about good risk and bad risk. It's it's not really a risk, even though you're afraid, uh, you, you can't figure things out. It's not really a risk to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it is a terrible risk to take matters into your own hands and, and try to fix things, and yet that's our human instinct. Sure. Yeah, well, I, yeah I try to fix stuff, you know. Um, and even yelling at God, I mean, I, I ended up yelling at the Lord at one time saying, excuse me, pardon me, I'm doing my part. Where are you? You know? Um, yeah, so risk taker. you you got to trust the Lord. And he is so patient that he will let you go around that mountain of taking matters into your own hands and things being even messier and messier. And I'm talking to the ladies because this is Christianity 101 for me because I kept trying to make things happen um, in my own strength. And, and that doesn't work. And it was at one point where, you know, don't take this the wrong way, uh, Ron, but the Lord says, I have made him um, like a brick wall. And, Paul, you keep trying to run through that brick wall, and it's not going to work. The only person that can get through that brick wall, because you are stubborn. <laughs> You were stubborn. And I still am. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. You, now it's called godly stubbornness. You were stubborn. You were not going to accept Paula's God no matter what because she can't be right. She ain't got good sense, you know. And so the Lord says, you just better stick with me. I'm the only one who can break through. And sure enough, pretty good. <laughs> So anyway, I still want to talk about risk takers. I got a couple well, more things to say. But but we are. Okay. I, I think that's important. So I'm the risk taker in this one because the Lord says stay with him. And I was well, like, okay. I, I think the thing that, that I'd like uh, people to hear uh, in the audience, Paula, is that that um, the longer we do things our way, mm. uh, the longer it takes because God is first going to work on you. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't have to take 13 years of prayer for me. But there was a, a long time when God was dealing with you. He was shaping and molding you mm-hmm. uh, in order that you could or would become the risk taker that he wants. The, the, the world says it's a risk to follow Jesus. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Hey, I don't know. I'm just going to follow Jesus. That's a risk in the world. Mm-hmm. But we find out that's not the risk at all. Yeah. And uh, the, the longer we resist because things don't make sense, um, the more difficult things become for a longer time. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, how you say, just be with Jesus all the time? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really understand that. And for the longest time, I mean, I, I didn't either. The, you know, I'm with Jesus. I'm saved. And I, I, I know some stuff. And I'm trying to follow him the best I can. But just be with Jesus. Um, like I was saying, just to know his character. Just to know, you know, what he expects as far as just hang out with me, get to know me, trust me. That's what he keeps telling me over and over and over. Reboot, retreat, relax. I mean, all of those resolve, um, remember, sometimes repent, and then return to that first love of just trusting him. But, you know, I'm not trusting him when I'm trying to, and here's a word for men and women, manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, you know, I've had people, women over the years say, well, you know how you can make him do what you need him to do, those kind of things. Um, but no, 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 I need to be with Jesus. And most of the time I just needed to be quiet. Yeah, you said something a moment ago. You said, uh, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And, and every time that we humans say, well, I'm trying mm-hmm. Um, that's that means we're trying in our own strength. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have another saying, stop trying and start dying. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, it's not a matter of trying. It's, it's We humans think there's something I have to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, mm-hmm. if there's something you need me to do, and every one of us are guilty of this sometimes, when we get to that place, we're actually weakening in our faith because we're acting as though the blessings of God depend on us mm-hmm. rather than on him. Yeah. Jesus, one of the things he kept saying to people over and over and over, I love this, he just kept saying, follow me. Mm-hmm. Just follow me. Well, well where? He, he never answered questions like that. Yeah. Just follow me, Matthew, the greatest example. Uh, Matthew was rich. He was successful. Wherever Jesus was, there were huge crowds of people. That means he would collect huge amounts of tax and the overage. And, and, um, and, and Jesus didn't bug him. He noticed Matthew was always there. Mm-hmm. He knew Matthew was listening. And one day the time was right. He just walked up. Remember, he said, even Jesus didn't try to do anything. I only do what I see my father do. Mm-hmm. I only say, say what, what I hear my, my father, father say. say. Mm-hmm. One day he heard his father say, now's the time for Matthew. And he walked up. No explanation. All. He just mm-hmm. said, follow me. Matthew, come on, let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Matthew left everything. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a risk in yeah. the world. yeah. But imagine the rewards Matthew has. Anytime that we get to that place, Paula, where we think, well, I'm trying so hard, Mm -hmm. then the next phrase is going to be what you say earlier, Lord, I'm doing my part. Where are you? Yeah. Oh, man. But but God is trying to teach us the, the insufficiency of self and the glory of surrender. And it's a lesson we've all got to learn. Yeah. And, and until we learn it, the best we can do is try real hard, and we just don't do very well when we mm-hmm. try. Mm-hmm. And I think that trying so hard is what leads people to burnout. You know, or trying so mm-hmm. hard, that that's where it leads people to divorce. Or trying so hard mm-hmm. where, not just divorce from a human being on the earth, but trying so hard and thinking they've disappointed the Lord and so they walk away. And then the enemy heaps condemnation and suddenly they're just gone. Yeah. And and, and Christians are wondering, well, what happened to so-and-so? They mm-hmm. once were doing so well. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah. And you know what? In, in our human effort, um, we fail. We mess up. It's just that simple. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Paula, what's next? Okay, so risk takers, they stay energized about their God. Um, it's a you can do. Our God can do anything and whatever. And you will. He's made promises to all of us if we belong to him. And this is the one you always say we trip up on so often is we don't believe sometimes that he will for us. Mm-hmm. But I, we stay energized about our God as we get to know him better. And like I'm talking right now, of over the many years of seeing the Lord's faithfulness, it's like he did it before, he'll do it again. You know, My, I used to say this all the time. He didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us into the promised land. As we were talking about with Abraham last night, God made him that promise. And so did God ever, does God ever change his mind? No. And so you have to kind of revisit those promises over when you're really nervous. And so stay energized about your God. He's omnipresent. That means he's always with me. He's omnipotent. He's so powerful, he sits enthroned over the heavens, over the seas, over the the mountains, over everything, over whoever is president, over whatever. He he's watching all of these things, and he's watching me individually. Yeah. And so he can, he will, and he will for me. He wants to. Yeah. Yeah. We forget that. It's like, oh. Yeah. But, hey, Paula, we just had a, a gentleman call okay. uh, the studio asking. He didn't want to be on the line mm-hmm. um, or on the air. Uh, but he called asking us to share the story about how God told us to come to San Antonio. Take it away, Pastor Ron, because that's so you. You were at Bible college when you heard the call. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I think I think the instructor part of the story is how, how we navigated it together. So my part will be really quick. Okay. I um, um, I was at uh, Twin Peaks mm-hmm. um, 
Bible college started in January um, of 91. No, 90, 93. I got saved in 91. Mm -hmm. So January of 93. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's snowy and I don't like cold. And uh, one day the sun was really brilliant. And I've always been, I've always taken walks with the Lord. And and one day I just wanted to go out and be alone with the Lord. The sun was brilliant. There was still patches of snow, even though a lot of it was melting and and kind of cold and uncomfortable. But I took this walk with Jesus, and and um, I just said, Jesus, I, I want only to serve you. Do you have anything for me? And that's that's why it's important to ask. Mm-hmm. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Now, again, nothing strange happens here, but it was as though he was standing there with me saying, I got an idea. And here's what he told me. He said, I want you to begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas. I mean, it was as clear as I just tried to make it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Pray for the people of San Antonio, Texas. We'd never been to Texas, and we didn't know anybody in Texas. And didn't want to didn't, come. Didn't ever want to come. <laughs> and it was so profound that I went right back to uh, my dorm room and opened my Bible and wrote it down in the, in the front section where there's a little place for dedication or notes and things. And it was March 4th, 1994. So it was 94, not 93. Okay. March 4th, 1994, the Lord has told me to begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas. And I write things down because I don't want to forget them. I don't want to doubt them. Mm-hmm. That's how sure I was. I, I know exactly where that Bible is yep. right to this moment. And, yeah, and, and that Bible will always be with me because mm-hmm. that's, that's such a, a, a thing for me. Yeah. Um, but it never occurred to me, Paula, to ask God why I'm praying for him. I didn't know anybody here. Um, I, I just was really big at that point into obedience. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, you told me to do it. I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. sometimes I would pray using tongues. Other times I'd just pray in, in my normal language. Mm-hmm. But I prayed every day. A couple weeks goes by, and I'm out with the Lord again, and I feel like the Lord is saying, ask me why. And I said, okay, Lord, why am I paying, praying for the people in San Antonio, Texas? And he said so clearly again, that's where I will be waiting for you. And so that's when I was able to come home and tell you. Uh, it was a weekend. You always came and got me on Fridays and took me back up to the Bible College on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And I said, Paula, I think I know where God wants us to go. And you were, great, where? Where's God? Mm-hmm. And I said, San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. And you said, I don't think so. <laughs> and, yeah. and we were walking our dog together. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you were like, Six blocks ahead of me, yeah. <laughs> because your your base of, yeah. of 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 walking picked yes, up, yeah. and um, um, I remember saying to you that uh, Paul, I'm not going to ask you about this. I'm not going to bug you about this. But here's something you need to know: until you hear from the Lord, we're not going anywhere. This is something we have to do together. We're one flesh. We're not two people. Mm-hmm. And and you you didn't want to hear that, mm-hmm. and and I knew that you had your own. Genesis chapter 32 wrestling match ahead with the Lord. And uh, I didn't say anything. I could see you struggling. I didn't say anything. A couple of weeks goes by, and you come up to pick me up on a Friday, and you were troubled. I didn't even want to come up there. Yeah. <laughs> Just let it stay up there, Lord. I don't want to deal with this right now. And you were restless. <laughs> and um, even though I told you I wasn't going to ask you about it again, I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, well, Paula, has the Lord said anything in your heart? And you looked at me, mm-hmm. and you said, we can go. Oh, no. And I said, no, 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 we are not going like that. I told you until you hear from the Lord, mm-hmm. we're not going because we've got to know. And you started crying at that point. We're standing out by the truck, and and you said, I heard. I said, God told you to go? Mm-hmm. And you said, no. Yeah. Tell me what you told mm-hmm. me. Yeah, but he said, this is what you've been praying for. You have a godly husband now. He's a Christian. And he prays and he hears from me. You can follow him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I never wanted to go to Texas. Who's going to minister to my kids? And yeah. You know, oh, it was horrible. But. So to the, to the caller, <laughs> um, um, the first time we ever set foot in San Antonio, Texas, 
was when we packed up our little Chevy S10 truck that we paid a dollar for mm-hmm. and drove it across. And when we hit San Antonio City limits, we had a pretty good trip. It was a, a weird time. Uh, that was the Oklahoma City bombing um, week when yep. when that happened. Selena. And then when, when we hit El Paso, it was all about Selena being, being murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we, we were doing fine. And then we hit the city. It was like, San, welcome to San Antonio. Yeah. And, and it was like freak out time. Yeah, it was. And what are we going to do now mm-hmm. kind of thing. Couldn't find a hotel that would take us in. Yeah, because we, we had a dog. Yeah. And so it was just a matter of uh, every step of the way, uh, the wisdom of making that trip was, was the Now, God, Paula, we're really running out of time, but, but God gave us. Uh, opportunities to see him before um, before we left. Uh, invi- I was invited to speak places. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would give gifts and things that we weren't asking anybody for. A, a yard sale that we had mm-hmm. to have a little bit of money to go. Uh, so we knew, but it was really hard. And had we not gone together, both of us knowing for sure this is the will of God, we, we would never have survived here. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And you know what? I say this often. People do not know what they miss if they say no. Had I been stubborn to this day, and you you said, we're not going until we're united in this, we could have still been in California, <laughs> what we would have missed. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, Paul, and Good Show. Thank you for, for being here. You've been listening to the Day-Day Edition of the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'll be back with you tomorrow, Lord willing, at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.